0: Did paramenopause, or menopause, catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me, too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hello, everyone. This is John Andrus, the menopause guru. And today I want to go in this episode, I want to tell you sort of my story and how I got to be here and doing what I do. And instead of just trying to tell it straight, which I can do in writing, but I'm not real good at doing talking, I decided to share with you an episode of Kelly Buckley's Beautifully Confident Podcast, because it was a great conversation in which I Kelly and I shared a lot about menopause and how I got to where I am. So enjoy this episode of the Beautifully Confident Podcast with Kelly Buckley.
1: Hi, this is Kelly Buckley. Welcome to the Beautifully Confident Podcast, and I have my fabulous friend and guest today, Jean Andres. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She spent the first 48 years of her life doing everything the right way. I'm sure a lot of us can relate. You know, good grades, college, marriage, career, baby, all the things. Then at age 48, perimenopause clobbered her but her symptoms weren't changing periods and hot flashes. Depression, anger, and low libido took her out of the life she'd built for herself. Determined not to let this change destroy her, she began a four-year journey to health, happiness, and a purpose in life. And I'm going to let her tell you her story around that. Um, But wanting to understand how and why menopause affects women so completely, John spends hours down the rabbit holes of the internet, chasing wisps of information about the physical, emotional, mental, and social aspects of the change. She blends her own experience, the results of her research, and her training in traditional exercise and nutrition with a myriad of holistic approaches, including Reiki energy healing, yogic? Yogic. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Breathwork to create a unique coaching experience she calls Menopause Mastery Coaching. She's also the author of five international bestsellers on menopause, including I Just Want to Be Me Again, which also has a second edition now, which I just started reading. It's pretty interesting. You all need to read it. And her book aimed towards men trying to understand how menopause is affecting someone they love. Where is my wife and what have you done with her? So I'm excited to hear from you, Jean. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I'm so excited to be ta-
0: talking with you today.
1: I am extremely excited. You know, my podcast is <laughs> built around women becoming beautifully confident and identifying areas that maybe would help them become beautifully confident. And I feel like your story in itself of identifying what you needed to change and where and what you did is so inspiring. Can you tell us that story? So when I was 48, I was experiencing
0: symptoms of perimenopause, but nobody was saying the word. Um, my doctor didn't tell me. My mother didn't tell me. I have no had no sisters at the time, Doug. That's another long story, but um. And so I was just out there on my own, and the changes were so difficult to live with for both me and my spouse at the time that we wound up divorced. And it wound up being,, um, as I tell it, it, it happened on Friday the 13th, right before Valentine's Day. Oh my. And yeah, it was kind of kind of not fun. It's in the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was go I wound up going to Belize and Belize is a country like most of the Caribbean is in love with love and it was just a horrible place to be on <laughs> Valentine's Day because they decorate the whole country Valentine's Day and I spent weeks just every time I was by myself I I would be crying over my lost marriage my lost self the fact that I just didn't know what was what was happening. And, um, I wound up one day waking up and saying, I can either let this kill me or I can Mm -hmm. let it be the best thing that ever happened to me. And I was already overweight and I had gained significant weight in probably the six weeks since my marriage broke up, just because comfort eating was comfort eating. (laughs) And I said, I need to get on the right track with nutrition and exercise and loving myself back into shape. And that's what I did. I joined an online program because I was traveling for work and I started um, exercising every day. I started eating right for me at the time. This was almost 20 years ago. So it it was Atkins. This was pre-keto. I wound up Going the low-carb route um, with the express approval of my doctor. I had, I did run it by her and she said, yeah, that's the way to go. And so I started losing weight. It took, and I also built a community of friends and support around the diet community I found online. Hmm. So six months later, I moved from New Hampshire, where I lived, to Alabama to be with my mom I started kayaking on the river there and met a fabulous guy Uh, we actually didn't start dating until about eight months later because he lived in Louisiana I lived in Alabama and we didn't see each other for eight months when the while the river was cold (laughs) (laughs) and so it was a matter of reclaiming myself reclaiming my purpose and my passion. And over the next four to five years, I started really getting into the exercise and the nutrition pieces of it. Eventually I decided I wanted out of my corporate information technology job and I became a personal trainer and health coach. And working with those women, I really did specialize on women in midlife, And I realized that their problems were exactly the same as my problems. It may have manifested it differently, but it was menopause. And menopause was taking them into not just the physical changes, not just the weight gain, not just the hot flashes or digestive issues or, or any of the literally dozens of symptoms that I talk about in the book, but also, this whole sense of I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'm, yeah, and it's not just the normal, you know, I'm growing, I'm getting, no, it just like takes you and throws you sideways. Yeah. And so, what I found was I needed, I needed to do more for my, the people I was working with. And so I started studying and I started getting down deep into what menopause was doing. And I realized that this is a a tremendous gift that we get at this time of our lives that we allow ourselves to pivot and no longer focus on everybody else. Literally, our hormones tell us to focus on everybody else but ourselves. And here in midlife, the hormones retreat, and we get to take ourselves from the periphery of our lives and put ourselves in the center and say, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? What would you love to accomplish in your life? And it's, it's tremendous. It's, it's a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous gift that we get because we go through this change. Doesn't mean the change isn't any is any less obnoxious. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it or even that it's that it sometimes can affect us for decades, even when we're doing everything right for it. We can still have the occasional hot flash or anger episode or mood swings, but we're allowed to look at our lives different. Yeah. And so that was for me, that was reclaiming who I was it was seeing myself as beautiful for the first time in uh-huh. my life I was never I was I was never the gorgeous kid I was always sort of the the funky looking one on the outsides of things <laughs> <laughs> and I was a, I was a geek and a nerd I, I wasn't an athletic and I was, I was the brain and, so, oh, so, labels. <laughs> it, you know, and so in, in high school, I, I hung out with, um, the nerds if I hung out with anybody at all. So for me, this whole transformation was allowing me to look at the women I hung out with differently. Um, And there's a whole thing that I've been working on recently about around that, which I call click, click versus community. So when we're younger, Hmm. we're part of clicks. We, we insulate ourselves in these smaller groups, both to give us, give ourselves the protection as we raise our family and the, the things that we need, because it takes a village may, may just really mean it takes a click to raise a child yeah (laughs) but then we go through this change and we can relate differently to not just our spouses not just our children but we can relate differently to the women that we know so we can support them more we can be in real community versus
1: clicks yeah i love that wow Oh my gosh, I jotted all these notes down because I have all these questions now. (laughs) So um, for our our listeners um, and me, because I also, um, I guess I'm (laughs) post-menopause, but yes, I I definitely have found all of the interesting facts that you shared about all the symptoms and, and what's causing them are just so interesting because reading it, it just, clicked in my brain like oh okay that's why that's going on so it just kind of leads to so what's the next step of how to deal with those things
0: so let me just let me just interject here your hormones the hormones that cre- that are created out of your reproductive cycle estrogen and progesterone are only two of some 50 hormones that are found in the human body but every cell in your body has receptors or takes in estrogen and about 90% of the cells of your body have receptors for progesterone. Not quite as many as from my research. And believe me, the research isn't, isn't good on this, but yeah, yeah, they, they, they do tell you that every cell in your body has estrogen receptors. So when estrogen drops, everything changes, everything. And that's why so many symptoms, so many.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, I was shocked. So, because yes, uh, menopause can cause insomnia, which I have somewhat of some control on. But last night I didn't, and so yes, I was up reading all of these things, and I thought, <laughs> "Oh, that's a real is- horror story." I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I don't recommend reading
0: horror at night. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I'm sure not everybody finds those things interesting, but I find them interesting to just link back and start to understand, mm-hmm. maybe this is why I'm feeling this way or or that way, and it isn't wrong. Other people are feeling this. <laughs> so yes. So um, one of my questions, cause you talked about um, like eating and exercise and um, your transition from corporate I guess, what were some of the first steps that you took and kind of what was your thought process behind realizing I can make a change and and I need to make a change?
0: Well, so my life was really out of control. I was in the middle of transitioning from one job to another when all of this occurred. Um, I was... I lived in a house that was wood wood heated. So um, I either had to leave the house or or stop my travel job because I was traveling five days four days, five days a week. Huh. so you can't live in wood a wood heated house and leave it in the in the New Hampshire woods in uh, the middle of winter without gotcha. heating. So I knew I had to I was going to have to leave the house. And then I saw my mom. I went to tell her that we were getting divorced. She lived 1,800 miles away. And I realized she needed more support than she was getting. So I decided that when selling the house, I'd move to sharing a house with her, which was not I I will say that there were many times I regretted that decision. And there were many times I was happy I made that decision. It was an interesting transition for for those years. But I felt like I was totally out of control. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the one thing I could control was what I put in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Not what I couldn't control, what came out of it.
1: (laughs) But I could that's part of it too. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But I could
0: control what, what went into it. So I started with diet. Um and I opted for the for the low carb diet because traveling and eating in restaurants three meals a day, five days a week, you had I had to have something that I could walk into a restaurant and know I was going to be able to order a meal for that meal and I could eat omelets and I could eat salads and I could eat a steak and broccoli and that really became my my staple diet I would eat an omelet every almost every morning no toast no potatoes just omelet and you know meat and cheese and then I'd eat a salad with chicken for lunch And I'd eat a steak or salmon or chicken for dinner, depending on the restaurant. And that was along with broccoli or asparagus or whatever green veggie they had. And I was able to stick to the diet, even though I was doing this weird travel job. And that was what allowed me to get, get the food I needed. And as I was working with this support group, online support group, they kept telling me, you've got to exercise. It's not enough just to, just to eat, right? You, you need to be moving your body in order to be healthy. Well, I started with walking and very quickly got to the point where the amount of walking I had time for was uh, not sufficient to really push me.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's
0: a point. <laughs> yeah, there's a point. You know, either you have to walk for two hours, which I didn't have time for yeah. in my day, or you have to you have to find a way to take it up a notch. And uh, one of my support partners had uh, was working with a running program, and it was much better than um, the standard couch to five k, which I had failed at miserably many times. Um, This was way more designed for a person in mid-age. And I started it, and I fell in love with running. I never thought I would. And so I started becoming a runner. Um, I would run three times a week, half an hour to 40 minutes at a time. it was wonderful because even while I was traveling, I met people who were who would run with me. I mean, I'm slow as, you know, slow as the turtle, but <laughs> um, they, I met people in Oklahoma and I met people in San Francisco and I met people all over the place in Houston and other places who said, sure, I'll run at your pace, that's fine. I'll run my fast runs on other days and they would run with me. and I, I met so many wonderful people doing it. And then I started with strength training and I was in the gym the other three days of the week and um, slowly it took, it took a long time. I won't deny that, but um, I made it a lifestyle and then I didn't worry how fast it was happening.
1: That's, that's great advice to just follow the path and not worry about how long something's taking.
0: And it, it literally took me four years to get to where I was, you know, where I took sort of the, the after pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you didn't get that overnight. (laughs) And I will say that I, I will say that I'm not there anymore. Um, You know, as I, as I've gotten older, things have changed. Um, I've taken a few injuries that have taken me off the road wow. to a large extent. So um, I'm back running now, but it's taking a while this time too.
1: Yeah. Uh which, um, which is why. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, those are great tips about getting started with the right, you know, eating and um and exercise. So I'm gonna shift you a little bit. Okay. The other thing you you talked about was making the decision to transition from corporate to what you're doing now. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, what gave you the confidence to transition from that and what, what you transitioned to? What are What are you doing and <laughs> how are you defining yourself now? Okay, so
0: I worked a corporate travel job. And in IT, what that means is that, and this was... Pre-2008, and that's that date is important, <laughs> but pre-2008, when you worked IT implementations, large-scale implementations um, as a consultant, you flew to wherever you were going on Sunday night or Monday morning, and you left every week on Thursday night, so you were away from home for four days. During that time, my mom went from using a cane and driving her car and going to the grocery store and grabbing the car, you know, the, the, the buggy, the power yeah. buggy at, at the Winn-Dixie and to being a wh- in a wheelchair and needing, um, needing way more than uh, I could give her from the road. Also, I lived in an area where every doctor, every doctor was closed on Fridays, which was my day off. So I I couldn't go with her to her appointments. I couldn't hear what the doctor was saying. And she'd come home and give me her version. So I was tired of traveling. I was tired of um, doing what I was doing. And I said at, at some point, I just said, I'm quitting. And I didn't really know what it was going to look like. Um, I knew I wanted to do personal training, so I started studying personal training. Um, I I had made really good money. I got I got to say that. Uh, but and I so I had a little bit of a cushion to hold me for a couple of months, which was really good because that was August 2008. If you know what happened in August of 2008, the housing market crashed and oh, everybody yes. in the country thought they were poor they weren't but they thought they were um so being a personal being a new personal trainer was difficult and i struggled but i had a few really good clients and what they taught me was it's not what worked for me didn't need the the knowledge i just simply did it Hmm. but it wasn't working for them. They needed what I had learned. They needed to understand what was going on. And so I started putting together something that I now call menopause mastery coaching based on what I knew. And then they would come to me and say, this is going on, why? And I'd say, I'll get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) and by the next session i would have dug dug in gone down those internet rabbit holes and found out what was going on and soon i realized that i had a greater depth of knowledge than most doctors because most doctors they're either this is this is awful to say but it's what they're actually called is bikini doctors our gynecologists are known as bikini doctors because they deal with what's covered by a bikini.
1: (laughs) Is that awful? That's that's yucky. (laughs) That's yucky.
0: (laughs) But they only on they they only really specialize in breasts and vaginas and Hmm. uteruses. They don't really get all the other things that are going on. So if you go to your gynecologist and say my joints are sore, he'll say go to your GP, go to your primary care or mm-hmm. go to a rheumatologist or an orthopedist. I got sent to an orthopedist when I had menopause arthritis in my low back from all that I was doing. When I went to the orthopedist, he said, oh, you've got the beginning of arthritis, even though there was no, um, no, no diagnostics that pointed to that and my bone structure was good. He didn't have anything else to, to attribute it to. And he never thought menopausal arthritis, menopausal arthritis is a real condition that, that as we lose that estrogen, some of our, some of our joints become less fluid and less well padded. So we do feel that. Um, So he never he never even really gave me that as an option and it happened that way with with both my clients and myself as as we get various aches and pains we would go to the doctor and say this is happening and they would send us to a specialist and then we'd spend thousands of dollars of either our own money or insurance money and not really get an answer and the worst of it was when I had palpitations, heart palpitations, and I go to the cardiologist and they do the the work and they say no, can't see anything. Here, wear this halter monitor for a, for a month, and then they come away and they would say we don't know what's going on. Wow! Here, take these cholesterol pills.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! That's so it's and, and so yet, many it, rabbit holes. Um, <laughs> go try this. Go try this. Go try this. And and if
0: the doctors were more aware of menopause of these, this hundred plus symptoms that I list, hmm. then they would be able to say, let's eliminate the big stuff. Make sure that nothing's wrong. And and I get it. Yeah. I get that your cardiologist wants to make sure that nothing's wrong. They want right. to give you the, the, the tests, but then they, then they need to stop scaring you. They need to say, likely to be menopause. Yeah. Gee, let's look at your, let's look at what else is going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This looks like menopause. Here's what, here's how we handle this, but they don't, they say, we don't know. And they just leave you scared.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many people just came to mind of things (laughs) that they've been doctoring for and not really quite getting answers and. Oh my yeah, gosh. And so many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> that's why what
0: I, the way I work is I, I bring people in through a process that, that I call hormonal review, um, or a hormonal signal detection process in which they tell me what their symptoms are. And we go down the list and we say, okay, this one goes here. This one goes here. This one goes here. This one goes here in terms of hormonal imbalances. Hmm. And I have a few of them that I say, yeah, and that one means you need to go and see your doctor and make sure that that's not something a a whole lot bigger. Um, But then once we get those hormonal imbalances, then we build a plan based on those hormonal imbalances. So I I hate to start with this one, but it's the one everybody knows. If. If you you're showing symptoms of insulin resistance, and there are, it's because partly because menopause uh, estrogen helps insulin work better, and so it's easier to get insulin resistant. Wait, I have to go. I have to go there. Let's cut out sugar and see what happens. Let's cut out sugar. Let's cut out grains. Let's go on a on a di- diet that will allow your body to heal that insulin resistance. Let's use exercise to supplement that. Let's take down the stress. Let's get you sleeping better. But this one's going to be a lot about diet. I hate to say that,
1: uh, especially,
0: yeah. you know, we're talking
1: here the week before Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's sugar season. <laughs> <laughs> now sugar doesn't include wine, right? No. <laughs> it really it really doesn't um oh a,
0: a glass of wine <laughs> is not going to bump your insulin resistance that much if you eat right and exercise right
1: that's great because I keep telling myself that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I uh,
0: actually all through my um my weight loss, the years that I was going through my own personal journey with weight loss, I would drink wine three to five nights a week. I hadn't, um, it was my treat and being on the road. Okay. Maybe I drank it six nights a week, (laughs) but Again. again, right. It's, it's not, I never drink more than one glass. I never drank more than one glass, but I, I drank a glass of red wine almost every night hmm. because it allowed me to relax. It allowed me to um, feel cared for, yeah. um, and I know alcohol is not self care, but isn't alcohol, <laughs> alcohol when you when you're when you're not abusing it? Yeah, you know, um, when you're just having a glass of wine with dinner, or maybe sitting around with friends at the, after dinner, whatever, it's not going, it's not going to be something that's really getting in the way of your health path. And in fact, there's a huge amount of research that red wine is actually
1: good for you. Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm sticking with that idea. You, the expert has told you, you can, <laughs> <laughs> until your doctor says no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I will have one last question for you, but before, before we get to that, Jean, I've completely enjoyed this conversation. Um, well I do, I have two actually, one I'll ask you before this, can you tell me, um, just hearing how you identify, help people identify symptoms and then what to do next? Um, yeah. What is the age, age range of the clients that, that are coming to you and you're working with?
0: So most women, and I'm, I'm going to say most, because there are, there are women who go through menopause before the age of 40. It's rare. Um, you should see your doctor if you start missing your periods um, and you're not on hormonal birth control. Um, which is a whole different topic. We're not going to touch that today, (laughs) but if you start losing your periods before the age of about 40, uh, 40, maybe 42, you're going to want to talk to your doctor about it. Make sure that nothing is wrong. Most women will start to experience some of these subtler symptoms in their early to mid 40s so say 43 to 46 my first symptom happened when i was 43 when my seasonal allergies changed mm. um, so allergies changing or a reflection of your hormonal underpinnings changing so i knew something was going on but i didn't know what i just thought it was the fact that i lived in new england and it was a particularly bad pollen year yeah um, late forties, most women will be experiencing at least some of the most common symptoms, which are, uh, mood swings, hot flashes, possibly irregular periods, weight gain or weight shift. Those are the biggies. As I said, for me, it was anger and depression. Uh, low libido was often associated with this. And very often women in this stage of their lives will find themselves redefining their relationships with not just their significant other and their children, but with their friends as well. They, they, it's so common to see this on Facebook in the menopause group. Somebody says, I've been a people pleaser all my life, and now I don't want to be anymore. And I'm like, yeah, menopause. <laughs> but they don't they don't recognize it as that. Um now that I'm telling your listeners, hopefully some more people will recognize it yeah that. Yeah. And so right around age 50 is the most common age for women's periods to absolutely stop. And from there to age 51, when they get that year in, that's menopause is is the one year anniversary of their last period which you can only tell in retrospect because it isn't unusual for a woman to miss three months and then have two or three or five months of periods sometimes even really super heavy periods and or long periods periods that just don't stop they go from one to another so yeah um, there is issues with anemia there by the way um and then after that day, after that anniversary of your first, of your last period, you are postmenopause and that lasts throughout your life. But most women find that between two and five years, their symptoms calm down. It's going to take a while. It's not like there's a magic door that shuts after that day of menopause. I see that all the time. People saying, i had my last period six months ago and I still have these symptoms. Yep. Your body yeah. is still adjusting to the new hormone
1: levels. Again, yeah. That <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So you have people like in their 40s starting to reach out to you.
0: Yeah, on 40s,
1: 50s. And and I even work with women in their 60s
0: who are dealing with some of the changes where they where, as I said, they're putting themselves into the middle and they're redefining their purpose and passion and priorities.
1: Yeah. Okay, Um, so um, let tell our tell our listeners where they can find you, and um, if there's anything that you haven't have coming up. Your episode is actually going to air in December, right in the middle, possibly Christmas week. (laughs) So, um, can you tell our listeners about that? And if you are driving and you can't write this down quick, it's going to be in our show notes. And it's going to have to be in their show notes because (laughs) I forgot (laughs) some of the links. That's okay. So, I I have
0: my own podcast. Kelly and I have recorded an episode for later in the first quarter of 2023, so... Um, that's, it's got its own website, menopause matters, the podcast, uh, menopause matters podcast.com, or you can find me on menopause.guru. And if you forget that it's actually Guru, you can find me on menopauseguru.com.
1: So my last question for you, um, because it really does sound like you redefined and, just shifted in life, so uh, to help encourage our women who maybe are starting with this feeling of, oh, you know, what do I need to do now? And my my confidence is being shattered. Is there life after menopause? Oh, damn, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what should women start to look for to help defining what their life would be after menopause?
0: So. I one of the things I do with my clients is a vision board, Hmm. and I ask them to think about their life in I think it's eleven different areas, and I ask them to think about what they really want from their life. life. What do they want to? And I also ask them to go back and think about all the things that they've maybe put away. from their lives so some of the things that I put away and I talk about in the book were dance Uh, I was told I was not a good dancer by the way
1: Hmm. (laughs) Uh, I probably and I'm not (laughs) if you enjoy it you're fabulous (laughs) and I enjoy it Um,
0: but um, I put away horses Hmm. Um, I put away I put away science um, I know, even though I was in a STEM in the STEM field, I put away science research. That was something I loved as in my early teens, and things that i brought back into my life. So, I it's time for a retrospective. It's time to think about what it is that you've done that's good, what you've done that's maybe not so good. Maybe this, maybe you're doing something that's just not lighting you up anymore maybe it's time to get rid of it hmm. but doing the things you love really does make a difference and i mean i started adventuring when i was um we didn't even get a chance to, i i mentioned it i kayaked I, that was whitewater kayaking by the way nice um, and i've run class 2 and three and four ri- rivers frequently oh, um, don't do it quite so much anymore living in Louisiana it's hard to find white water. <laughs> <laughs> um but I I learned to rock climb and I learned to um mountain bike that was crazy <laughs> <laughs> but you did it but I do it yeah. I still do do it sometimes nice. and it's it's just a matter of saying, what is it that lights me up and going ahead and doing it? it you're never too old to try these things. If you, if you can get up and walk a mile or less, I have a friend who was pushing 320 when she finally went on her weight loss journey and she couldn't walk from her front door to her mailbox without tiring out for oh my And she had her husband put a chair in between the door and the mailbox. And she would walk to the chair and sit and walk to the mailbox. Back to the chair and sit again and then walk into the door. Last time I saw her, we were running a half marathon together.
1: Wow. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Yes. So it's quite possible to change, no matter
1: where you are. Yeah, that's great, Jean. Thank you so much. So, listeners, <laughs> um, thank you for tuning in to the Beautifully Confident podcast. And if you are ready to take charge of your uh, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause life, please reach out to Jean. She can help you get through it and and find some solutions. Thank you so much for being here, Jean. Thank you so much for having
0: me, Kelly. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you.